We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, my next guest uh, has been. Hold on, let me, let me pull up my text message because I tweeted out uh, my lineup for today. Uh, and you know, for the most part, I don't hear from my dad on the weekends. He just hangs out. But he says, "Great lineup today with Dad's favorite, Mike Catalana." And he says, "The guy is as smooth as it gets." And I think that is about as as good of a compliment as you can get. So, uh, has anyone ever called you smooth before, Mike? I would bet no. <laughs> No, that's not normally uh, a word I hear, but tell your dad I appreciate it. I'm going to go with that nickname now. How's that? At, at my age now, I need a I need a nickname to take me uh, farther. I'm going to say smooth as works sm- for me. That's right, as smooth as it gets. That that that's a compliment worthy of uh, of at least at least considering a nickname change. That's for sure. Yeah. So, okay. Mike, thanks. I will. I will. It's been listen. It's been a little while since I've had you on. It's been um, a fairly eventful summer. Um, you over the last couple of weeks as well, um, reporting out a lot of the updates with the Bills Stadium. And I kind of want to start with you there. Um, you and I are going to be golfing a part of the Bills Media Tournament on Tuesday. We are uh, we are we are grouped in the same foursome, so you're going to have a front row front row seat to the Stripe Show. Um, so we'll uh, we'll 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 hear a little bit about your golf game to see to see just you know how how things are going to stack up on Tuesday but like I said I wanted to start with this Bill Stadium talk because I find it fascinating as a uh as a guy that grew up in Hamburg which is you know a, a town away from Orchard Park that a lot of the initial reports um part of the reports that you were responsible for um coming out to say the Bills they're looking at Orchard Park as the main site what are your what was your sort of first reaction when you sort of heard the news that most of these talks and negotiations are centered around you know staying in Orchard Park well I can tell you this uh, you know they look at a lot of things and I was told this by the sources that we have that you know there are things they would like to do right I mean if you're this organization you look into all of this you're looking into downtown you're looking into a dome, a retractable roof, all those things. Why not, right? This is the position you're in uh, when you're looking to build. But then there is <laughs> decisions that need to be made in western New York. And we would all like the best. Like, we would all like the greatest stadium. It would be fantastic. If you just dropped it in, you know, kept the prices that they are, yeah. <laughs> uh, people could still go. It would be awesome, right? It's like car buying a house, right? We know what we'd want. And then we say, can we afford this? And it's not just for the Pagulas to afford. It's also yep. for Western New Yorkers to afford. And look, what I'd like, I'd like a downtown stadium with a retractable roof and all those things. I've been to just about every stadium around the country. Yeah, there's pluses and minuses, but, you know, it's phenomenal when you see that. And I'd love it if there could be a ton of events in Western New York, you know, that would be for indoor concerts and shows and every other thing. But I kind of see where they're going here uh, in terms of what makes the most sense long-term for the franchise and for the people of Western New York. And those other things, while great, maybe put them in a price structure 
that wouldn't work as well for Bills fans. Yeah, and I, and I wonder too, Mike, how much this has really become a balancing act if you're the Pagulas, right? Because I think in one on one hand, there is a level that you do need to satiate Roger Goodell in the NFL and saying that, you know, listen, um, Highmark Stadium as it sits right now is not is, you know, one of the oldest and Let's be frank. I mean, let's just be real with each other. It's one of the least impressive, um, you know, venues in all of the league. And, you know, by building a new stadium to try to generate more revenue, that's what the NFL is looking for. So if you are trying to satiate the league, you can do so by building a new stadium. But the other half of that has got to be Mike here is is new ways to generate revenue and this has always been the argument about Buffalo in this market is they're just the corporate sponsorships this isn't San Francisco you know this this isn't a big giant you know two and a half million person metro so how do you how do you make the case that that new stadium if you're gonna maybe potentially cut some corners now I'm not saying cutting corners in trying to cut costs and and you're gonna go cheap on the stadium but by cutting corners in going without the retractable roof and maybe sticking with a full outdoor stadium is that going to generate the type of revenue that the league is really looking for them to build the stadium for in the first place that's a good point but it is a balancing act and I talked to some corporate sponsors too. And they're like, look, we love doing this, and some have spent a lot of money with the Bills. But there's a price point for them, too. Yep. And so when they looked at it, it you know, a couple of the ones I talked to um, do business in other markets, and they're like, we can't, we can't spend that money in New York. We can't spend that money in Philly, those bigger markets. So they know where they are. And if there was this whole other pile of corporate sponsors that could jump in and spend money, I think you might look at it differently. So when I say a balance, They'll go up. It'll be something to still be part of the stadium, and they can make it work. Not all of them, but many of them. They will bring in extra money. There is other ways to create revenue. But there's also, you know, the idea of not pricing yourself, Not like I said, not just out of the fans, but out of the sponsorships. And we know they're working with, you know, Jerry Jones' company and all other teams. I mean, it's, it's funny to see teams working, you know, it's in a way with Jerry Jones, but you understand why. I mean, it's really funny to see Washington working with the Cowboys. I mean, you know, it'd be like the Bills working with the Patriots. But, you know, this is business here. Business comes first for the owners. And Jerry Jones and that organization, they know how to maximize yeah. money. They're in Dallas. You know, they, they got a lot more coming in. They understand the Buffalo market, and they will do, my guess would be, the best to try to maximize that within this size. So, Look, it would be exciting to say retractable roof stadium wherever you'd want it to be, but I don't know if they can get there and that it makes financial sense to do it. As disappointing as that is to a lot of people, I think, you know, once you get it built, you know, you'd be sitting there with those mortgage payments and trying to get help and going, what, what did we do here? I've got Mike Catalana joining me here on the Wester Hotline. He is the sports director for 13 Wham and Fox Rochester. He's also the editor for BuffaloPlus.com. He uh, last week was one of um, one of our local, uh, you know, Rochester, Western New York uh, media members to break the news about the NFL stadium uh, updates here in Buffalo and kind of what the Bills are looking to do. So we're covering that now um, briefly here. And the other point too here, Mike, is I, I keep I keep wanting to go back to when Atlanta. You know, was this six years ago now, seven years ago now? They go and they build that unbelievable stadium, right? And they build this stadium, and it's in the heart of SEC country. And so they've got the dome. They were always a dome, anyways, but they're hosting the SEC championship game. They are hosting the Sugar Bowl. They're hosting, you know, all of the high school football in, 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 um, in, in Georgia and all of their state championships. They're hosting some of the biggest concerts in the, in the country right there in that venue. So the extracurriculars make sense there in Atlanta with that metro they're they're bringing some of the the biggest acts to the city the question I have with, with the argument about the bills and going with the dome and and being able to create that quote-unquote convention center feel is if the bills build a, a dome or a retractable dome 
like do you do you believe the Bills could could go to the NFL and say like listen we're willing to potentially add that investment in here and create this but like does that get them a a Super Bowl like are they are they going to be in contention for a Super Bowl? or like are they going to get I don't know a MAC championship like my question is less about like hey it's a great concert venue awesome but the Bills Stadium is a decent concert venue and they hold two concerts a year you know like I don't really view the idea of a convention center as logical here because I just don't think it's in a location that's really going to draw high-end college football, um, something where it makes sense where you can get a couple of games a year where you have 80-plus thousand people outside of the Bills season. Yeah, I'm with you on that. You know, you, you also have – you don't have the hotel infrastructure for a lot of these events on a normal case. I mean, we've seen them go to smaller markets. I mean, it was a miserable experience. I went to Jacksonville for the Super Bowl, and, and that's in Florida – uh, but they didn't have the hotels to handle the Super Bowl. And that's a, you know, vacation destination right. type place. Remember, they had to bring in cruise ships. I mean, it was different. Um, it, that's not Buffalo. You know, we have NCAA tournaments. It's been great. Are you getting a regional final? Are, are you getting the final four? I mean, I, you know, those type of things. When you say this, like you said, concert tours. But, you know, you know are, are you how many of them are going to be for, you know, that wouldn't go to the arena, that would go – 60,000 plus, like, I, I don't know, but to spend that money and then say, come to Buffalo, because while it's great that it's indoors, um, we all love Western New York, but like you're talking about drawing people from all over the place to come to Western New York, as opposed to going to Atlanta right. or Dallas in those colder weather months and all the things that go with it. I think they've looked into that too. Like how many events make sense to do that? I mean, Jerry, that dome, down there, not only when we went down for the game at Thanksgiving, but we did the whole tour of the place, which was incredible. Like, they, we got the people from the Cowboys took us on sort of a personal tour, which was great. We did a story on it. But that building is busy. It's some insane amount of days a year. It's like being used like 200 and some yeah. times a year for different things. Like, it's Dallas. I get it. Um, so that part, while great, uh, would be hard to justify that you would bring those in. Now, I will say this. I do think, and part of what we reported on, <clears throat> excuse me, I talked about um, the way the stadium, would, it's not in, it wouldn't be indoors, because that's when the cost really jumps. Obviously, right. you make it an indoor facility. But it, I think it would be, and, you know, I, I said at the time on our story, sort of how Miami's uh, yep. did their, you know, overhang, and it kind of got back to me, the people, and said, it, probably more like Seattle in terms of mm. more protection. And those seats, towards the top are the hardest to sell. I mean, even for Buffalo, you know, it's, it's you know, there's sometimes you're sitting there looking, I'm like, God bless those people. It's 22 <laughs> degrees and it's windy and it's cold, right? But if a little protection would not be a bad thing and a little protection from the wind and all those things, you'd still be outside, but it would be a little bit better. Now, I'm talking more football than I am other venues, but Miami did it because it's, you know, 90 some odd degrees right. there and the in the sun. summer and right. it, it, the sun just beats you down so those are things they have thought thought about i think it also helps with crowd noise and all those other kind of things too because if you've been to seattle i mean it's quite an experience to be in that stadium um but those are things that, that i think would be part of it but it's a big step once you close the doors you're an indoor facility and all the costs just go up uh you know they're talking 1.4 billion in terms of a new stadium you know, it'll go up beyond yep. that. It goes closer to two. But for a dome, you're talking about now in this day, as it goes up, I mean, you're talking probably close to another billion dollars over top of that. And I can tell you, I was also told renovating the Ralph, hi, Mark, was at least a billion dollars. And you've wow. been down there before. The biggest problem with that place, if you renovate the Ralph, it has no underneath infrastructure right like every other stadium i've been to and maybe fans don't you know see this but it is you know the way that place is yeah it's one tunnel not just for the team you know, everybody sort of gets a kick out of both teams go out the same place the the equipment the ambulances everything goes in one tunnel and to handle all the suites and everything to get food there to get other equipment there they don't have that it is it is. I don't know what you do. I don't know if you raise the place up and dig underneath. I don't know what you do, but basically every other stadium you walk in, you can go in from underneath and basically circle the place. 
And you can't do that in Orchard Park. And I, I think the cost to do that. And by the way, if they do that, for sure, they're not playing in that stadium while they're doing it. Right. I don't know where they are. But they're out of there for two years. I, I think that's sort of the next phase to this conversation. But I, before we even get to that, because I, I think that's an important point to, to touch on, is, is sort of what happens in waiting for if this lease that ends in 2023, if they don't get a temporary stay or they figure out... I, that, that's the secondary question. Part of the reason, Mike, that I brought up Atlanta and their situation is, you know, they went out and they got the individual seat licenses, right? Like all these bigger stadiums, on top of owning season tickets and the cost of owning season tickets they're now requiring fans to basically own the seat that they're sitting in and having to pay a pretty a pretty significant fee for that and that's that's one of the ways these stadiums and these teams are starting to generate the revenue that's necessary to sort of upkeep these stadiums and make the investment worth it but I, the thing about Atlanta that I noticed is, you know, you go there and their concession prices are the lowest in the league. So they're able to, they're making their money from the seat licenses and from season ticket holders, but they're not scorching them at the door. And I wonder if the Bills are going to go out this route and say, listen, we're going to build a new stadium. It's going to cost a billion dollars and taxpayers are going to be liable for upwards of at least half, or I don't know what that's going to come out to be. Is there a way to like maybe fit, like, I don't think they can add seat licenses, raise season ticket costs, and also say, well, it's still going to be $9.50 for a soft pretzel. Like, eventually, this community, there's going to be, there has to be something that gives here. And I wonder where you think that give is. I, I, I love the model that Atlanta did. And I also believe, you know, when you have that facility, now it's indoors, and when you have that facility, you know, people think, you think cost when you're going. Most people do it a game. You know, Beer, two beers are costing me X when I'm at the game. I, it's expensive, and people spend – they still spend, but they spend less than they would if it was certainly more reasonable. I mean, there are times if you – you know, you go up, you buy stuff for two, three, four people, and, you know, the cash register goes, and you're <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> you know, and you – Take out a second mortgage, mix, right? yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it really is. So Atlanta's gone that route, and I'm going to guess they realize they obviously sell a lot more in that stadium. I mean, it just makes it more affordable. I mean, it's, it's, it's different. Yes. There's, a, but this go all goes to the point you're making that how many dollars can you take out of the pocket of, you know, people will always look and say, I don't go to the games, but my taxpayers are paying tax dummies paying for it. I always think, well, guess what? You live in New York, you help pay for Yankee stadium, Madison yep. square garden, That's every right. other one, whether you want to believe it or not, you do it, They, you know, Yankee stadium, all that infrastructure, done through the state, you know, and the city, you know, whatever portion they say is, you know, personally financed or privately financed. So you're going to do that. But then even to the people that go and go all the time, how many dollars can you take out of their pockets? How much more enjoyable can you make the experience if you make it more? We know it's not going to be cheap, but you make it more reasonable when you go there. So I think that all is going to play into it. Um, But they need, I mean, yes, Upgrading the stadium would be great, but I really think if they're going to do this, they're going to go new. There's too many things to overcome yeah. on the current site, and that's what they'll end up doing. Mike Catalana here on the Western Hotline. I think that's kind of the next phase of the conversation here um, when you start to look at what the team is going to do if they indeed decide to rebuild and keep it in Orchard Park, what does that mean for the current stadium, Mike? Does that mean it's yeah. demoed and, and and they're rebuilding from that land? Um, are they going to kick it across the street and then eventually demo that stadium and that be the parking lot? Like, how does that work? And I think the the big story here is, you know, Toronto and Penn State as being sort of the the quote unquote safe havens for the team to play for a year or potentially two as this new stadium is being built. So it's like. Like, is them staying at high note just totally out of the question while they're building this? Or, like, what, what, what is sort of that scenario looking like? I, I, I would look at it this way. I know people worry about, you know, would you get a lease done? What would happen over that period of time? Even, even building, you know, if you're going to build at the current site, not specifically on the footprint of the stadium, but if you're going to build right there in Orchard Park within that area, I cannot imagine that the Bills are building a stadium without a lease going forward through that period of time. So the only reason you would be going to Penn State or, or you know, Toronto or whatever for those two years would be because you're building on that site. I mean, 
I come from near Philly. They, they built all those stadiums in the same place. You know, when they yeah. tore the vet down, they were building the link. You know, when they were built, they tore down the spectrum, but they had already built the new stadium. It was almost like hopscotch. Like they built, built a stadium in the parking lot, then tore the old one down. They built a stadium in the parking lot, tore the old one down. I mean, that's what they did. And they never had to play in any other location at the time. To me, that, makes the most sense. I don't know if there's some particular reason that they would feel the need to be on that exact same footprint to be in Orchard Park. I mean, obviously, you heard, you know, your county executive comes out and says, hey, hold on a second. We don't have a deal. Of course they don't have a deal right now. This, what we reported was that this was the bill's plan going forward. They obviously have to work this out. But I got to tell you, at this time, to have two years where the bills are playing in another place, would be brutal. Yeah. I mean, this team, this current team to be playing in, at Penn State or playing, I know people can still go. I know it's not that far away. But, you know, there were a few other Bills teams that you'd have been fine with them playing somewhere yeah. else. <laughs> not this team. Not this team at all. So I think that's got to be almost like a last resort kind of thing, that if for whatever reason they can't make it work, I, I don't think it'll be that way, but I guess you, you don't know. I don't know enough of the specifics of the of the, 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 the temporary plans, itself. right, yeah. Yes, the temporary and saying to do that. But I would say this, like I said, for people who want to renovate, if they were to renovate, you're not in that stadium. There's no way it would it would take five years to get it done if you if you did it in pieces or did it like the patchwork that they did a few years ago. Mike, um, you are a Philly sports fan, and um, obviously the exit from the playoffs in the NBA was a, as not a Philly fan, I'm a, I'm a big NBA fan, but I, you know, and I, I don't really have a, like an emotional and or like a hatred or even particular like, I'm just sort of blah on the Sixers, but I find them to be right now as it stands, the most interesting team in the NBA for the sole reason of what they do with Ben Simmons moving forward. Yeah. And like the position that they, that that Daryl Morey was in early this season when the talks were, you know, do they trade Simmons for Harden? Does that make sense? And basically, Morey said, eh, he's off limits. He's not tradable, and it doesn't matter who you're sending us back in return. You know, when you look back at that, how much could that decision end up, you know, potentially bringing this franchise back? And 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 how confident are you that like Ben Simmons is is a guy that you can still build around making the money that he's making, considering the guy just cannot shoot. Yeah, I don't think it's as much he can't shoot. It's that he has not shot. And, I mean, he can score, and they've seen him be much more aggressive at times. I I don't know. It is such an oddity when you look at Ben Simmons. People who don't watch the NBA, and you must hear these people, and they say nobody passes, nobody plays defense, it's all this. And he's 180 degrees the opposite. Too far yeah. the opposite. I mean, the guy plays phenomenal on the ball, help defense. Uh, he is pass first. That team desperately needs three-point shooting, and without his creation of the shots, they wouldn't get him. They don't have an off-the-dribble three-point shooter. So sometimes when people say they got, he's got to shoot, you, you don't want Ben Simmons shooting a 12-footer. You want him finding Steph Curry for a three-pointer. Because if you can't, can't get the threes, you're not winning in this league. Yeah. You have to shoot the three. So he creates so much. It's a frustration as a fan to see a guy so talented. And, you know, he came into this league, and the question was, could this guy play defense? <laughs> he, right, and that is not the question and, anymore. Right, <laughs> it's just, and yeah. you know, he does that. Now, I will say this. First of all, total misnomer, Stephen A. Smith of the world, who pretend they know what goes on in Philly. Ben Smith got tremendous support in Philly. Or Ben Simmons did tremendous support in Philly playing there. Now they're mad at him now, and they have a right to be, right. because it looked like he was shot on offense. Just, I mean, the last game he had what 15 assists, and Trey Young couldn't, you know, didn't beat him with his shooting. But regardless of that, he wasn't doing it. So he has to work on that. Ben Simmons doesn't want to leave, doesn't want to get traded, you know. So if you're at this point, if you're him. He doesn't need to become an offensive player. I mean, it's such a, honestly, it's frustrating because it is such a small move up for him to just become part of the offense more regularly. And I'm not just talking about passing. I'm talking about shooting, you know, making foul shots, all those things. 
very attainable for somebody with his physical ability. I, it's mental. I mean, I think he got to the point where he just he just was on that side of the ball, shot yeah. offensively, and it has to change. Will they be able to do it? I don't know. I do think selling low on Ben Simmons would be an idiotic move for the Sixers. They have every reason to give him the opportunity again this offseason because if he comes back and improves in at least some of those areas and is moving in that direction, they're a better – I mean, they're – they're a contender right away. But do you if think, Mike, do you think with Simmons, do you think point guard is the future for him? Because I think I'm more along the, the line of thinking that Ben Simmons may best be in that Draymond Green role, which is not a guy that is the primary ball handler, but a guy that can be a 10 points, 14 rebounds, yeah. 9 assists guy with his back to the he basket is, right. more. Yeah, yeah, well, first, first of all, he, he should be more aggressive with his – he dominates people when he goes in the post because who's guarding him? Right. He's not a center guarding him. Right. But the other part is where he's not Draymond Green is he's a much better in the open court player than Draymond Green. So what I would use Ben Simmons for is maybe not the half-court shot creator, but off of a miss, he pushes the ball. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people just look at stats and they see games and they do whatever – but he creates offense for them um, in, in his ability to run the floor. And, you know, so he doesn't have to be the point guard. I mean, if they, if they put another point guard on the court, you've got to find a better role for him in that half court. Uh, I guess I just look at him as he is he's such a talent. If he, he's, I would tell you that it seems to me like he's a kind of guy that I think has suffered from never being put in this position. Yeah. And this goes all the way back. You know, you play at one of those high schools that you came from Australia. You play at one of those places where, you know, you play a national schedule. He goes to LSU. Team wasn't particularly good, but he plays the one year, and now you're in the NBA. I think that's where guys get hurt, not having the experience of maybe even regular high school, regular college basketball, where he just didn't do those things. And, he, and he's been allowed to sort of get by on all the other things that he does well. But I think he's a desperate player this offseason. Look, if he really wanted to get traded, he could say he could easily do it. They yeah. work out a deal. Then they would make a deal and he would be gone. Now, that still might happen. But at the same time, it is interesting that even after all this, I do not. They said he was beside himself when they were talking about trading him for the Harden deal. Like, he doesn't want to leave. So if you're him... You say, okay, Ben, you say to him, you don't want to leave? you got to come back like this. And if you don't, they move him. I think if they, they give this a shot, maybe there isn't the right deal, and then you're moving them by the deadline, which is what they almost did this year. Uh, I think, Mike, the best solution for everyone involved um, is finding a way to get Kyle Lowry in there this year. They they missed the opportunity at the trade deadline. I thought that was a big whiff for them. Um, they need to find whether that's just under the the salary cap. They they need to figure out a way to get Kyle Lowry in there because if you want someone that can run the half court set, like that yeah. is the guy for me. And 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 I think you can have a world where Ben Simmons and Kyle Lowry exist on the court at the same time. But I think more no so doubt. you. Can can have Ben Simmons running sometimes at point with the twos and that second unit that comes in so that maybe you don't have, because here's my thing, I think Simmons and Embiid on the floor at the same time trying to control offense, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So if you can get Lowry and Embiid on the court more on the opportunity and have Simmons sort of running point with that second unit, I think that's really the world where where Philadelphia might become that, that contender for next year. You're right. And and they didn't do him any favors. And Daryl Morey is a great GM, but in that second unit, Ben needs to be surrounded by shooters. Yeah, and, and he was not. And yeah. and they were not. You know, he had Dwight Howard on the court. Like, you know, that doesn't really help him. I will say their starting unit was by far the number one starting unit in the league. They were like a plus 13 yeah, for 100 good. possessions. So they can do that. But you're right. And they could bring a guy like Lowry in with enough assets to do it, keeping, you know, Simmons. The core together. And right. Yeah. yeah, they could do it. And then you do it. And then at that point. Then you say, okay. And by the way, I think Kyle Lowry's also, he's a Philly guy and yep. he also has the personality exactly. to say, hey, you know, get this together. Isn't it something telling an NBA player he's got to shoot more? <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, that, that's like telling a wide receiver he wants, he's got to demand more passes. <laughs> like, 
this world doesn't exist, but it does with Ben. And he's, he's a, he is, you said interesting. It really is interesting uh, to see what he does, what happens now. Mike, looking forward to, uh, to catching up with you more on Tuesday. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll yeah. we should have a good time for sure. Thank you so much uh, as always for, for being available for me on, on a Saturday afternoon to talk, uh, to talk sports. Appreciate you as always, my friend. And like I said, looking forward to, uh, to enjoying a beer or two with you on Tuesday. Yeah, look, looking forward to it too. I hear you can really play, so let's let's see how we do out there on uh, Tuesday. But uh, uh, it, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Looking forward to it, my friend. All right, take care. Mike Catalana there of Wham, thirteen Wham Rochester and Fox Rochester. Going to take a time out. I got Joe Yerden coming in next. We're talking NHL and maybe most importantly, Celine Dion. Stay connected to our shows and get in on the conversation. Follow us on Twitter at WGR550. The professional that Corey is, I asked him to please provide a Celine Dion bump into the segment because Celine is in the middle of a pretty large controversy right now after the Montreal and Vegas series. She was shown on the Vegas scoreboard in Vegas gear she is a Vegas performer, so that is what you get. But she is the toast of Canada. Like, you can't... That is the conflict of all conflicts of interest. So in order for me to work my way through this controversy, I've asked Joe Yerden to join me um, here on the West Her Hotline. You can hear him outside of just here on WGR when he's a guest. Um, he's doing podcasts now by uh, and some writing pieces with Die by the Blade. Joe, um, where do you sit on Celine's... Uh, maybe fault in this whole thing is like like if I'm the toast of Buffalo, like I can't be showing up on the scoreboard at New England or in Boston. Like it just that 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 doesn't jive. And I think she comes off looking looking pretty bad here. Well, I mean, hey, listen, Celine's not just the toast of Canada. She's the toast of Quebec. She's I believe she's even from Montreal. So this is uh, it's a little bit of a tough spot to be in. But you know what? You're worth millions. Do you really care? Like, does it does it really bother you anymore? All like, I mean, news is good news today, Joe. <laughs> but I mean, like, I don't know. Like, she's I mean, she's killing it in Vegas. She's I mean, she's killed it for her whole career. She's incredible. And she is any, absolutely incredible. There's no doubt. Anybody who wants to fight me on that, I welcome the battle because you can't hate on Selena. Maybe it's not your type of music, but like. Let's be real here. She's unbelievable. She's just an unbelievable talent. I mean, if you hate the Titanic song, I get it. But, man, but, yeah, no, I get it. Like, Mon- listen, Montreal fans have been looking for everybody. That's, I mean, they've come collecting. <laughs> they are looking for, for receipts. Down on them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it's been, it's been unbelievable. Like, anybody who's picked against them, like, it, it's just a running gag now that they just put the – they screen cap the predictions page and go, nope, giant X through everybody because everybody picked against them. Literally nobody picked Montreal to win any series. Even I'm guilty of it. I said they lose the Toronto in three in the first round. So yeah, you listen. I the Toronto series was certainly an eye opener. Then sweeping the Jets was sort of the next eye opener. And then you're just assuming no way do they beat Vegas, who just beat Colorado, the consensus you know Stanley Cup favorite. What to you stands out about this Montreal team? And I, before we go into the fact that the Stanley Cup Final is going to feature two division opponents for the uh, for the Sabers here moving into the future, awesome. Um, what about the way that that roster is constructed? Maybe gives you hmm, I don't, let's let's stop short of saying confidence, but let's say hmm, I, I don't have a good word. What makes you feel good about potential the Sabers' potential of digging themselves out of this hole, based on this team not really having that true superstar, um, but a team that is deep and is playing well together, and I think is really well coached. Well, I, I think you hit it right there. They're, they are deep. Uh, they are they are well coached. Even you know even when they're under Julian, which we you know earlier this season, it seemed like they got tired of them. I mean, that, that, that stuff happens with coaches. Um, but this was a team that always seemed to be like ready to kind of jump out the last couple of years because you look at the roster, you go, man, these guys should be able to compete. They should be really good. And even before this season, you know, before they started out horrible and, you know, even finished the season horrible, uh, you're looking at this and going, man, these guys shouldn't be that bad. You know, Carey Price is 909 a 909 goaltender during the season like that's very average and you know you, you know Brandon Gallagher had a bit of an off season you know they ha- you know Jonathan Druin hasn't even played in weeks he's been injured uh 
Um, and he was having a great season, and, you know, all these guys show up, but now the kids are blowing up. You know, Kakanyemi's playing great. Suzuki's playing great. Uh, you know, you, you get the you get the series clincher from Arturi Lekkonen, who's just a you know kind of a you know a, a fan beloved, but like you know low lower tier guy. You know, Philip Deneau is one of the best defending forwards in the league. You know, I, and I'm a very proud Deneau hipster because I voted for him <laughs> for two years in a row. You know, two years in a row he was on my Selkie ballot like two you know two you know two or three years ago. So it's like you know like these guys are there. You know, Shea Weber is you know, been a top defenseman in the NHL for years. So, I mean, these, like, these guys are all there. Like, they, they're all a part of this. And yet, you know, for some reason, it just didn't click. And now they're on the biggest heater they've been on in ages. And now it's coming together. Now they've got a ton of confidence. Like, you know, everybody's got a ton of confidence on that team. And they've pushed the right buttons with, with how to play it. I mean, they're not overly exciting to watch. They're, they're pretty defensive. They're not Islanders level, but it's close. But they're... But this is a this is a team that's that that you know if, as long as you got Carey Price back there, man, you're, you got a really good chance to win, and I think that's what Tampa's going to have to deal with here. This is going to be a really interesting battle. So uh, let's talk a little bit about this battle, and the reason I want to I, I, I'm going to continue to make I'm going to I'm going to weave the Sabers into the conversation um, like a nuanced radio host would do. Um, mm. Now. What would you say the probability of a general manager? Now it could be Kevin Adams. I don't want to point a finger at Kevin Adams because I don't. I, I'm not. I am not so negative. I know this is crazy to say. I'm not so negative <laughs> to not give him some benefit of the doubt that I don't think he he is just going to assume this. But what is the percentage of NHL general managers that's going to look at the Stanley Cup final and completely overlook maybe two of the deepest from first to fourth line, from first defenseman to sixth defenseman, overlook all of that and say, it's the goalies. we got to get a goalie because these two teams in the final, they got great goalies, and I'm going to overlook the fact that you know Tampa Bay has like five 30-plus goal scorers on their team, and we're just going to overlook that because Vasilevsky's playing so good. Um, like, What do you think the percentage is that people are going to look at this final and say, goalie, goalie, goalie it's in vogue we got to have a goalie now i mean i would certainly hope that people would want to pay attention to goaltending sure (laughs) because because you need a good one um but as far as overlook i mean i i think you can you can get you can be guilty of overlooking it just because these two are you know accepted as two of the best in the in the entire league and you could say like well you know these guys have the best you know we gotta do what we can for that and you know, if, if you're tricking yourself into thinking that you that you can still get by without elite goaltending, I mean, you better have great team play to make up for it. And that's the only way that that works out. I mean, you know, Antti Niemi wasn't a great goaltender, but Chicago had an unbelievable team back in the day. Jonathan Quick was a great goaltender, and the Kings had a loaded team. You know, so that, yeah. there there are exceptions to this, uh, but it's just it's it's so far you know few and far between. You know, I. It pains me to say because, you know, I love the way he played, but, you know, when, when you see Chris Osgood with a Stanley Cup for, for Detroit back in 2008, you know, you can say, he's like, wow, Chris Osgood, wow, what a goaltender. It's like, yeah, but Nicholas Lidstrom's the greatest defenseman of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they had Henrik Zetterberg there yeah. to, and Pavel Datsuk to shut down Sidney Crosby and, and Malkin. So it's like, you know, what are you going to do? You know, that you, you, you have a great team. You can get by with, Maybe not as great goaltending. Like you don't, you, you didn't need uh, an Osgood to steal you a series. You didn't need Niemi to steal you a game. You know the rest of the team was going to beat the other team. So in that respect, like you got to have one or the other. You can't have. You can't be missing. You can't be missing both at the same time because then you're just going to be an also ran. Or you know if you get in the playoffs, you're going to be cannon fodder for somebody who's a lot better. Yeah, and listen, I mean, part of this goaltending conversation is I do think it's it's one that I assume is sitting in the back of Kevin Adams' mind. I, I, I might even go out and say it might be sitting in the front of Kevin Adams' mind um, mm-hmm. that this is an organization right now outside of Ukapekalukunin doesn't really have – I mean uh, – Portillo's, Pontillo, whatever his name is, down in Michigan. I mean, he's entering into his first year starting in college. I, I'm not sure that you can view that as a legitimate, you know, piece to your organization right now. That means you've got UPL, and pretty much that's it. I, I, I'm not of the mind that 
this is a team that is just going to go out and, and sign Allmark and make him, you know, he just hasn't been available enough for them over the course of his starting career the last three years to make an mm-hmm. investment, a deep one into him, um, mm-hmm. worth it. But, like, what does this team do? How do, I, I mean, from a building a roster perspective, it's hard to really even predict how they're going to build this team until you see what they get back for Eichel and Reinhardt and potentially Risto. But, like, where on your list of this is really important for this team to get right, where does goaltending sit for you there? Goaltending is at almost at the very top, just because, you, I mean, I, I would not be overly confident that you're going to be able to keep all mark, and I don't think you could be overly confident in him, you know, carrying a lot of the weight, uh, shouldering a lot of the load, I should say, for, for the season. So uh, you need to have a 1A, 1B set up with your goaltending just because you got to count on you i mean you have to bank on injuries happening at some point anyways but you know through Allmark's career they've been kind of regular so i i think you have to really address that strongly because going into it and saying like well, well you know what are you gonna do like i mean you're totally screwed if you do that this time around because i mean listen the free agent market's not gonna be great you know, you can think you're going to be able to make a run at a Tuka Rask, but it sounds like he doesn't. Want, he's Boston or bust. So right. you know, check that out. Um, but I mean, the rest of the list is not inspiring. Like, are you gonna are you gonna try to get Mike Smith to come to Buffalo? Uh, no, like, you don't want Mike. I mean, Mike Smith had a really good year for Edmonton last year, but at the same point, you know exactly what you're getting into. Yep. So you know, it, it's you know, you, you look at what the you know what guys are available, and you're just kind of like you know. Allmark's the better of the devils because you know you know that he's the devil you know, and you know if you're dealing with somebody else like is that goalie going to want to come here when it a it's a re you know it's a rebuild situation, and b you know you're probably not going to win a ton of games right away anyway. So you know it, they're in a really tough spot. I mean it, they're in a spot where like you're 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 almost banking on UPL to to be a big factor for this team and. He's he's been cursed the last yeah. three seasons with you know with you know coming off of the hip surgery, you know the the weird balance of games between Cincinnati and Rochester a couple of years ago, and then this you know the whole pandemic thing has really shot everything up. I mean you know from playing in Finland to coming back over here, you know it's just it, it, it's it's a, it's not a it hasn't been the best situation to really get him developed properly. But I mean you kind of need him to do it. You know, I think in, you know, in Portillo's case, Hey, go out and have another great season in Michigan. If he's got Owen power and Matt, Matty Benier is playing there, they could win the title. <laughs> right. Very, very simple, you know, very simple like that. Um, but you know, go draft another goalie this year, not in the first round, unless <laughs> you get it, unless you get it with your second first round pick. And if, and if it's like a mid round, lower first round pick, you know, fine. Uh, but, but stay away from stay away from goalies in the first round. But uh, but you have to draft another one. You have to keep that pipeline going. And you know, if it means just taking you know taking a lottery ticket out on a guy late, fine. But um, but that's I mean that, that's part of this whole you know um, franchise restocking that they that they've discussed doing because they really need to do it full throughout. Yeah, Joe Yurden here on the Western Hotline. We're talking a little Sabres, talking some NHL um, Stanley Cup final, not finals. Stanley Cup final, um, and the other other situation, other news this week I kind of wanted to talk to you about was Seattle Kraken um, naming their head coach um, Dave Haxtell, um, and wondering, you know, I, I think some of the other candidates they had been bringing in were maybe a little bit more impressive to me. I just... The job that Haxtell did with with Philadelphia from what was it twenty fifteen to like twenty eighteen twenty nineteen something like that yeah, yeah it just was not an impressive run for him with a team that really underachieved and I mean listen Philadelphia has been underachieving for two decades now but I, I don't know I, I with you know I, I wasn't a huge lover of like Tockett either but I think Tockett makes a little bit more sense in this case than than Haxtell did um, what are your overall thoughts on Seattle's first head coaching hire. You know, I, I mean, I was very surprised by it. I thought it was Tockett's job. I thought that was in the bag, you know, honestly. Um, but, you know, Hack, I mean, I, I know him from his time at North Dakota. And, you know, it was, it was wild to see him make a jump from going from North Dakota right to the NHL. Because, you know, I mean, he had great talent, great teams, you know, in North Dakota. But, um, you know, the, the national title part of it, you know, it's like he always got him to the dance, always got him deep into the dance, but never could close the deal. But, I mean, you know, stuff like that happens. You, you know, winning, a, winning a national title can be tricky, um, you know, because it's a very much a big crapshoot because it's all, you know, one-and-done elimination in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament. But, 
but you're right. The the time at Philly was underwhelming. Um, and I, I, you know, and it's not that he should get shut out of another job because of because of you know one bad turn, uh, because you can learn from it, you can grow from it, and you can you can get a lot better from it. I mean, you know, listen, he's he spent the last couple of years as an assistant in Toronto, um, so uh, you know, learning learning a bit more there, getting a bit more of a handle on things, and maybe getting a closer eye, at, you know, at, at what it takes to be a, a head coach. I mean, those. Those kinds of lessons are are a big deal. Now, you know, it'll be a whole other thing to see it in practice, obviously. But, um, but yeah, I'm you know I'm surprised. You know, Tockett got, got a long got a long process there. You know, Bruce Boudreau, it seems like he wasn't on their radar, which seems yeah. fascinating. But, uh, but maybe that's not an attractive situation for him because it's you know, it's the West Coast and it's a new team, and you know that can be you get, that can be a bit taxing and a little bit you know stressful. So. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean it's it, it's interesting, but I mean, hey, listen, they they did they did a very extensive search on this. So um, if he's their guy, he did something to really bring it home. So it'll be interesting to see. But I, I want to see what players he's going to be coaching. Joe, speaking of Tockett, it seems like he might really be sort of top of mind here in Buffalo as well. Um, I think it was Elliot Friedman this week that talked about him getting his second interview, but with the eye towards Don Granado as sort of the favorite here to take over in Buffalo. Interesting to you that the Tockett is in this deep of discussions, though, at this point, considering a lot of the talk has been, yeah, this is this is kind of Granado's job to lose, um, while also wondering if who they bring back. Like, is... In your mind, if Eichel is here, does that change who they'd go for? Like with head coach, like if if they decide the value isn't out there, and frankly, I, I think they need to make a decision on head coach like sooner than the decision on Eichel. So, like, where do you balance those two things? And like, is it different if Eichel's here or if he's not? I think it's a hundred percent different if he's if they've patched the bridge with Eichel and and get it together because then I think you're saying like, okay, no, we're, we're not, we're not going full rebuild here. We're going to try to, we're going to try to run it back and get it right. Uh, because at the, I think at that point you need somebody who's got a great handle on the room and somebody who can, who can get them over the hump. And I mean, let's face it, the division is going to be extremely difficult. Yep. Um, but, uh, but I mean, that, but like, that's what you have to believe is, is possible if that's the case. Now I think they're caught in a, in a situation where, I think when when you're interviewing coaches, I think the first question the coach, the potential coach candidate, is coming in and asking is, well, who the hell am I coaching? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you want to know what the roster is going to be because you want to know what you're walking into. Because if you're going in looking at what the roster is now and saying like, okay, if I'm coaching these guys, then all right, here are my ideas for this. But then if you're saying, well, actually, we're going to be trading, you know, these these two really important guys and getting a pack of players that, you know, we don't know who they're going to be yet. Uh, then I'm saying, all right, well, why don't you come back and talk to me when you get that squared away? Right, you know, right. like, like that's, that, that's kind of my thought, but I've always been of the mind that if they're, if they're going to reboot this, uh, getting, keeping Don on board makes a hundred percent sense because he's, he showed last year, he was able to pull the right strings with some of these guys that haven't had their strings pulled the right way yep. in the past. And he was able to lean into their, lean into their strengths and just let them play. Whereas if you're going, if you're trying to keep the ship afloat, I mean, granted, you know, there's, there's whole holes all through the hull and it's, you know, it's almost on the seafloor, but, um, and all we have are our toy buckets to get the water out. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, as Celine would say, your, your heart may go on, but this is not, <laughs> this, I knew I chose the right bigger. person. God, just, this is, <laughs> but like, this isn't going to work, you know, like this is, this is, you know, in this case, it's, you know, you, you got Kate Winslet on the on the float. And, That's right. You know, on the Jack door. freezing away. Yep. Yeah, and this case, actually Jack is freezing and he's going to sink to the ocean floor. So, um, but I mean, I, the parallels are gross. They they it, they are they are eerily similar. Yeah, it's yeah, it's getting a little weird now. I got to say, I, it's I, it's spookier than I had originally Way thought. Way spookier. But, <laughs> but like, but I mean, this is but this is like kind of what you're facing up to, though. Like, I mean. If you want Don Granado on to, to like to carry these guys forward with the young group and 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 push the push the right buttons, I mean he's he's been a development coach throughout uh, his career and like he can do it. But again, like, if if you're keeping Reinhardt, you're keeping you know if you're keeping Jack, like if you're you're keeping parts of these uh, of these guys around to say like no, I think we can do this. Then you got to get a you got to get a, a a a more veteran voice in there. I mean, listen, Tockett was the guy they talked to back uh, when they. 
when they ultimately hired Phil Housley. I mean, Tockett, it was, it was basically down to Tockett and Housley for that job, and they picked Phil. And then Tockett went off to Arizona, which, I mean, hey, listen, <laughs> then they got reunited in Arizona after Phil got fired here, so that was, you know, twist of fate. But, um, but yeah, this is, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a very weird spot because it's almost like a chicken or egg argument. Mm. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's, it, listen, it's a fascinating scenario as it continues to play out here. I'm, I'm just, I, I think I was listening to the afternoon show guys talk about it yesterday. It's just like, I, it's weird that the season, I am so used to thinking about so many things hockey right now heading into July 1st that I've got to recalibrate that everything's a month late right now. But mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I need, I need them to make this move here. Like I need, I need them to figure this out and at least show like, Hey, here's our plan or a part of the plan. Cause I'm just, I'm, I'm over here. I'm not doing well, but um, Joe, my man, thank you so much for hopping on with me. Always a pleasure having you always love talking hockey with you. And uh, next time I know to bring more Celine Dion references. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were that competent. Well, you know, listen, that's the way that's the way it is. So, you know. <laughs> Get him out of here. Get him out. Joe, great to talk to you, my friend, and uh we will we will 100% be chatting soon. Hey, you got it, Nate. Be good, man. <laughs> All right, bye. Joe Yurden there on the Western Hotline. I got to take a t- I got I'm I'm way behind. I got Alex Clancy a locked on cards that's coming up next here on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.